And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. This is the Athletic Baseball Show on the Athletic Podcast Network. Swings here and he drives one deep in the center. Puig is racing back, still going back. He looks up. It's gone! Over the center field wall for Hunter Pence. Pence will touch them all and score them all. A grand slam for Hunter Pence. It's not easy when it's tough. That's when you find out what you're made of. You get so much Brisby in your ears if you want it. If you want Brisby, oh gosh, you get it. Anybody want coffee? I'm making coffee. Anybody want? Yes! 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 I'm a frequent coffee drinker. I'm part of the club. I have a card. You're listening to The Baseball Barista with Hunter Pence and Grant Brisby on the Athletic Podcast Network. Welcome to episode 33 of the Baseball Barista with Hunter Pence and Grant Brisby. I am Grant Brisby. I'm here with Hunter Pence. Hunter Pence, how are you doing today? Grant, I am ecstatic. I am awesome. It is the off season, and now there is the shaping of the next season, which is always exciting times. You know, obviously we're away from winter meetings, but just like you start looking at who's the free agents, who's going to go where, and you start looking at the overall landscape of the next season. So once again, good times to be a baseball fan. When the offseason hits for you, are you like busier in a way? Like do you get to everything that you're putting off during the baseball season or are you able to sit back and go, whoo, for a second? You know, it, it all kind of depends. And like every offseason was, was a bit different for me, kind of depending on where I was with you know, as you get married and you have a relationship, you have a family, let's say you have kids. One of the things about baseball is you don't have that much time for family. So I think a lot of the family men are, you know, trying to spend some time with the kids, probably going on vacation. Some years I went on vacation, some years I didn't. But one thing that I do think was really exciting and fun is like, I always came up with like an off-season training program. And like, whether I went on vacation or not, you know, in the back of my mind as a player always was... You know, what am I doing to get better every single day? And one of the things I think is really cool is I follow one of my favorite trainers, Nicole Gabriel Training, and you'll see, you know, a lot of these players, like they're still in the postseason and these dudes are already getting after, getting a head start. Once again, Grant, this is another reason why I think it's extremely hard to repeat. I think that there's a psychological thing where when you win and do well, you celebrate, and when you don't, you get more prepared, you start, you keep working, you get a fire lit under you. So a lot of these teams that didn't make it and these people that had bad seasons are in the (laughs) training room. Go follow her on Instagram. You'll see them. You know, Jordani Alvarez, he was hurt most of last year, was been working out with her. So they get a head start, they get going. And for me, a lot of times, I like to get started as quickly as possible. When you're a player, do you give yourself like a week? Do you give yourself a day? Do you just like roll up and go, to Popeye's and go, I'll have 13 spicy chicken sandwiches, you know, like, do you do that for a while? Or is it just like no rest because you know that you don't want to get into bad habits? For me, it was like a two week window where I was like, even in my like most quickest returns, there was a two week window where I was like easier on myself. 
probably three days I would, you know, really mess up on the eating. Like three days for sure I would like relax and just like, you know, maybe, you know, enjoy some, some adult beverages, you know, maybe eat some, you know, good meals and, you know, just really let go. It was about three days was the most ever that I like, maybe sometimes it would be like a five day window where like I did, I had like, you know, one or two bad days, a couple of days where I did some exercise and another two bad days. Two weeks was like the longest I would go of not doing enough. But even in those two weeks, I still was like, it's important to keep moving. I don't want to completely surrender for two weeks. So, but the hardcore training, the latest I ever started was December depending on injuries and stuff like early December. And I did not like that. I did that one time and it was, I ended up getting injured in that training session. I came into spring training behind and it was just like, you need to have that buildup. So like November 11th or something, I wanted to be like getting into my rhythm, building the, a solid foundation. And, uh, you know, as far as hitting and all of that, besides 2018 hitting could start later, but your physical w- work, because Baseball is a 162 grind. You, no matter what shape you're in, when you go into spring training, you are going to be in worse shape by the end of the season. You'll be in better baseball playing shape, but your body will be destroyed. You will not be looking as good. You will not be feeling as good. And like, you're going to be hurting in all sorts of places. So it beats you up no matter what you think. Like you are not, so you're going to get destroyed. So you have to like start building up and you have this whole month to turn yourself into this machine that can handle that great grind. You got to put the armor on. Now, I'm going to do some hard-hitting investigative journalism right now because when the listeners think Hunter Pence, they might think like Kale, right? Remember that was like the meme, oh, like Hunter Pence, kale. you know, the, the, the Kale. But you mentioned adult beverages, so I have to ask, what is, like when you're relaxing, what is your go-to adult beverage of choice? Vino for sure. Red vino, but I'll dabble in a little bit of, of any of it. You know, so a nice glass of wine with uh, with dinner. Now, enough to like nerd out with Bochi and like Richard Rulia comes around the clubhouse. You guys are you guys talking wine? Dave Roberts, like, you know, the wine nerds of baseball. There's a little click there. Yeah, I would say enough to to listen, to be interested, to learn and to enjoy it. Now, probably not to add anything like I would be definitely absorbing. But I'm like a, a like coffee is where I get into the, the super nerdism. But like all beverages, I enjoy just like coffee, teas, kombucha, whatever. Like I just enjoy beverages and, you know, the, I guess you could call me a foodie. I could dabble with them, but I would definitely be more learning. All right. That was the hard hitting investigative journalism part. But now I'm more like we'll move on from this in just a second. But I'm always curious about when it's you're the, a player, it's the off season. Who are you hearing from? Are you getting regular updates from this front office person, this hitting coach, the manager, or are you kind of left alone? Is it an agent? Like, who are you hearing from for the first couple months? You know, it kind of shifted as as the seasons went on. There was a, a lot of change from when I first came into the league to the end of the league. I actually, when I was with the Astros, I went and trained at the Astros facility and worked with, uh, you know, with Doc and, you know, he had all of the, a lot of the big names that would come through there. And that was fun. You know, I would say some of my best was Nicole Gabriel. Also, I, I, I did a whole thing with, uh, it was kind of like the David Weck. I really enjoyed it. And, and Marlon Bird, really amazing stuff that he's been learning. It was really crazy. But the biggest thing he taught me was running. But as far as the teams, they got like Carl with the Giants. He had these programs and he had like people that he was like, you need to follow this program. And a lot of people liked it. 
But if you wanted to do your own thing, he would learn what you were doing and then build your workouts in the season for what you wanted to do and what you were already doing. So he would like kind of sh- morph and shape it into what you were doing, or he would have one for you if you wanted it from him. And he was always learning. He brought a lot of energy. And I thought that that was really cool. And he even came and like had dinner and was like, let me see what you're doing. Also, there was a guy when I was with the Phillies who came and did that to just come to check in to see like, what are you doing? He's like, yeah, you're going to be fine. Like, that's insane. So that sort of thing. So they do come, a lot of the great ones do come and check on you. And, And pretty much every team I was with, you know, would, would at least check in like one time and they would basically have like a cookie cutter. This is our program, but I usually went and did like my own and a lot more, probably too much, but that's just how it was. I, I wanted to do everything I could. Now you've heard the cliche, best shape of my life. That's when baseball players come into spring training, it's like, well, I'm in the best shape of my life. How many times, honestly, when you showed up at spring training, were you in the best shape of your life? A lot, most of the time. But but here's the thing that's that's kind of weird. And I think, you know, science and, and training and all that has changed a lot. There were times that I like worked out like a bodybuilder in my younger years. And I came in and a bodybuilder is not that good at baseball. I had to have this big chest and it would be hard to throw and hit and bend over to get a ground ball. So I, I would be in great shape and I would look really good, but I would not be very functional. Like, And I haven't completely studied, but like the Tom Brady, like pliability, flexibility, functionality. I think I was way more muscly and muscle bound, which gave me a lot of power. And I definitely had a lot of strength, but I think flexible, pliable. I think you can do a lot more with less effort. There's a balance. I'm learning this actually in surfing. Like when I was that muscle bound I couldn't surf at all. I couldn't even stay on the board. And I'm starting to get more of that functional. I remember watching the the Tom Brady, and I, I don't remember his Edelman. He was like making fun of him for working out. But I think Tom was on to something about, you know, pliable and, and like kind of the yoga-ish. Uh, I don't know how, to, how, how you would exactly define it, but like elastic and stretchy and gumby is kind of the way you want your muscles to be versus bodybuilder, which is what I was a, a couple times. Yeah, I mean, I'm not going to say, oh, you know, it's different now and it's worse because baseball players are hitting more home runs than ever. To be strong and muscular, it's it's not even controversial anymore. It's what baseball players do. But when I was growing up, it was like the power hitters were like Daryl Strawberry and Eric Davis. You know, it's not like they were rail thin, but they were kind of Gumby-like. They were whip, you know, they had whip-like mechanics and stuff like that. You would have occasionally a guy like Bo Jackson or Glenn Braggs. These guys who would come in were just huge. But for the most part, like, it was a different different look back then it's not better or worse it was just much much different I mean like let's look at you know and I know this was like let's go back a few years but like when Bellinger hit all of his homers in Yelich these guys were very skinny they were very Daryl Strawberry-esque like you look at like a Mookie Betts so I think it's more of a finesse and a skill than like muscle I think there's a balance you need to you need like strength but you need it to be elastic you need it to be you know like I think it's like uh, this is where a lot of the bands, I remember like thinking that bands were, you know, too weak for me in quotations. But like, if you think about what band work does is like, it gets harder the further you get away from where you are. So you want your strength at the end of range of motion. When you have weights, it's heavier right at the beginning. And it, it kind of gets lighter, like think of a bench press. Like once you get it past a certain point and you get it farther away, it gets kind of lighter and it gets heavier the closer it gets to you. So this is where bands, I think, are like better for an athlete. Man, you can get big bands, really explosive bands, 
but you want that end range of motion to be the hardest and you want it to be not quite as hard close up so that you're really getting the muscle fibers deep, like really stretched out. So you have more length, you have more, you know, range of motion. So I think that there's a balance and I love watching the great athletes and working with grace. Uh, you know, you see like a, you know, a Ronald Acuna Jr. I think of, or Fernando Tatis, who isn't necessarily, like he's definitely strong, but he's not Giancarlo Stanton. Yeah. Now tell me about that. Like, so you want at the end, like of these bands, you want your explosiveness at the end. How is that helping you is because that's when you're releasing, that's when you're making the point of contact. Like what, how is getting to the end of your motion and getting that stronger? How does that help you as a baseball player? Well, that's like where most of like the hardest work is, is the furthest away from you. So then when you're working yourself harder out there, it forces you to have correct form to lengthen your muscles and to maximize your potential. I don't know the exact science behind it. This is kind of how it was taught to me. And when you think about it with a band, like it definitely gets way harder at the end range of motion. I noticed that like when I started doing it, that I felt better on the, on the field. I felt it just like created this effortless power versus this, like I was really strong, but like, it kind of got in the way. And a lot of times when I came to spring training, like that bodybuilder and I felt so strong and I could destroy things like I, you know, I could just, you know, it just held the bat so good. I like literally couldn't play very well. It wasn't until I like lost a lot of that and it got the muscles got out of my way. Cause they were kind of in my way. And maybe that's cause I wasn't stretching properly. It didn't help me a ton, but I did notice as I leaned out and, and got more, like I guess used the bands a lot more and did a, like I remember it was a mental hurdle for me to not like load up a ton of weights. I was like, is this really going to help? And then when I felt the result of like doing it for a long time, I was like, whoa, this is way better and it's a lot better on my joints. So I definitely think I did a lot of damage to myself over stacking a bunch of weights and it takes a toll on your joints. But I learned a lesson. That's all I knew at the time. This is fascinating to me because I never thought of it like that. But most of what makes a good baseball player good is going to be like at the point of full extension, arms out to make contact with the ball, you know, throwing and getting everything behind a throw, as opposed to like I said, an offensive lineman who's got to be, you know, close to the body, pushing out. I don't think there's a ton of like pushing out that a baseball player needs to do other than load up for his swing, right? Well, I even think of like throwing, you know, or, or running, like a lot of times you need to have full extension. So even like a football player, even though like, yeah, a lineman might want to do a lot of bench press, but they're going to want to do band work as well because, you know, you need to finish the push or, or whatever the case may be. Like full extension and having that range of motion in all sports is just going to make you a better dancer, athlete, football player, whatever the case may be. But I mean, quarterback, receiver, baseball player, these are more finesse sports. So maybe a lineman doesn't need the full extension, like the offensive lineman, but the defensive lineman definitely does. You think of Reggie White when he's like that whole move he had where he just shoved people to the ground. Most of that, like, yeah, the contact, but then the full extension. That all makes sense. That all makes sense. Um, my off season, every off, every season, I, I start dreaming about what it's going to be like November 1st. And I go, oh, I'm just going to sit down and sleep for a month. And then there's always something that happens. It's Brandon Crawford winning a gold glove. It's uh, I got to write about this move, this trade. And this off season was even uh, more funny. Uh, and I use funny. That probably is the worst word I could use. But all of a sudden, I get a, a text from Bags, Andrew Baggerly, saying, hey, I'm thinking Buster Posey's going to retire. And I'm just looking at it going, 
Oh, a word? That would change an offseason up. Okay, so let's talk a little bit about Buster Posey retiring at the top of his game. First question, what the heck? And second, were you surprised? I would say surprised, not shocked. Because, you know, like, we've been playing baseball our whole lives. It's very, it's very difficult to truly walk away. The reason I would say I'm not shocked is playing with him for so long road trips and the time and and whatever it you know all of the the stuff that involves being you know a good baseball player and a teammate he missed his family more than anyone I've ever played with and like he had kids at a very young age and you know when he would go on the road and come back he'd be like man they've changed so much I want to be there for them and you know they adopted the two twins you know I know he loved playing baseball and I know he loved being a part of the teams and you know he was at the top of his game you could feel how much he missed being there for his kids and loved being a dad and loved his wife so much. Such a great family and community-oriented person. And he always had perspective on baseball. You know, he he never, like, made baseball greater than life. He was like, baseball is important and my job is important, but it's not more important than my kids or my wife or, you know, like, it, it, was, a, it was in perspective. And so he's taken a lot of blows to the head. He's gotten hit in the head, concussed, foul balls off the head hip surgeries. Catcher is a very, very brutal sport and it's a very difficult sport to play for a long time. And I know he wants to be there for his kids once again. And he, you know, so that being said, that's why I'm not shocked, but surprised. Yeah, because it's very tough to walk away from the game and it is a very, very blessed sport to be a part of. And we all love it very much. So I understand why he did it. And I think it's also beautiful that he's going to leave the image of him still as a young player, fresh player, 107 win season. You walk away with like a great, great season. And so there's something to be said about not leaving when you're really old and people will just remember that old you. It's kind of nice. It's really cool in a lot of ways. And it got me thinking about the position of catcher and just Boy, the end of a catcher's career, especially when you're talking someone Posey's 34, like getting to 35, 36, 37, 38, 39, that can't be easy, man. Like that can't, it just seems like diminishing returns, like every season has to, you have to work three times as hard to get 80% of where you were before. And then the next off season after that, it's like five times as hard to get to 75 per season or 75% of where you were. It just, it seems like catcher is the most thankless position in baseball and when you get older closer to 40 a hundred times more so buster was like the anomaly where like catcher is basically the defensive part of it is the most important part so like if you are you know an all-star caliber hitter but you don't do all of the defensive stuff you can't call a game right like you're actually detrimental to your team you might make the all-star team and everyone's like oh he's a great catcher but like it's actually the defensive calling a game battery handling the signals not letting things get stolen keeping runners on base blocking balls that is what matters most for a catcher regardless of what hoopla you see about their offensive numbers which is what most everyone judges them on they're changing the game with their defense and it's a beating and it's a toll and so he was a super super special talent that he was so gifted and graceful behind the plate so smart just like crazy witty crazy able to be in the flow of the game but at the same token you're taking an absolute beating and that's a lot of times why they aren't that offensive like imagine all the foul tips these things break bones and jam fingers like he his fingers by the middle of the season they're all jarred jammed fat and he's still able to hit it's insane the amount of toughness the catchers have and they don't get enough respect but there is something to be said about 
the damage and the toll that it takes on your life after baseball. And he's so smart that he recognizes that a lot sooner than most people. Like I didn't recognize it, you know, like I've had, I've been working real hard on, cause I took so many swings in the cage and you know, a teammate once told me, he's like, yeah, if my swing looked like yours, I'd probably hit that much too. You know, cause I just had this <laughs> awkward, ugly swing. And so I was like in the cage, like I was like, I'm going to outwork this. I'm going to be so prepared and, and practice so much that even with the, uh, you know, the abilities that I have, I'm going to be able to succeed. But it takes a toll on your hip. Swing in one direction over and over and over and over again is really imbalanced for the body. And so it's been a, a whole process to get, you know, just quality of life. And I think of like Marco Scudero, who really got blown out at second. So I think he's just so smart and wise and, and understands, you know, the damage of catching every day and taking blows to the head after blow to the head. Yeah, no, I mean, the, the concussion stuff is, it, it's no joke because one second you're Mike Matheny, the next second, like your life is just totally upended. You know, he was the Giants catcher and then like one concussion ended his playing career and really, I mean, I, I read a, a long form piece on it, upended his life for like two years and that, you know, who knows if he's going to revisit that again later in his life because it's just so gnarly and I, there's nothing you can do to protect it as a catcher. You can't like the hockey style mask, the old school style mask. Like there's no magic you know, force field that you can have. And that, that's got to be a consideration. And like I said, we can't speak for Posey, but I do think that it is awesome to leave like a young, this kind of season to like walk out on. And this is your memory of Buster Posey. And now he's going to go be there for his family, for his kids and uh, be a Giants fan the rest of his life. As he said, it was really heartfelt. He's a deep person who really cares about, you know, his friends and family. And so that I think to me is where it makes sense and where we understand it. And we'll all miss him. We'll be right back after a quick word from our sponsors. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. When you get injured, you don't want to wait for answers and options. That's why it may be time to explore the Nano Experience, a revolutionary treatment option designed to help active people get back to the lifestyles they love. Nanotechnology allows surgeons to see inside even the smallest joints and treat orthopedic conditions with a tiny camera and other nano instrumentation, all through a barely there poke hole incision. Wherever you've experienced an injury, whether it be foot and ankle, hand and wrist, shoulder and elbow, knee or hip, Nanoarthroscopy can be used to diagnose and treat your condition in an extremely, minimally invasive way. Don't wait to learn about the revolutionary nano experience and how it could help you or someone you know after an injury. Visit arthrex.info slash theathletic. This is not medical advice and is not meant to be a substitute for advice from your physician. Talk with your physician about your health condition, potential surgical risks, and whether Arthrex products are right for you. Postoperative management is patient-specific and dependent upon your physician's assessment. Individual results will vary. Guys tend to think looking sharp means starchy Oxfords and stiff chinos rather than effortless comfort, but it's possible to have it both ways. I'm all set for summer thanks to Mack Weldon. The Vesper polo shirt is so breathable you can wear it on the golf course, but it looks classy enough to wear to a party. The Maverick Tech Chino short is ultra flexible, and the Pima Crew Neck T-shirt is perfect for those casual weekends. There's no need to be uncomfortable in your clothing ever again. Some guys just want to look good without calling attention 
attention to themselves. Mack Weldon Apparel gives you understated good looks for understated confidence. Mack Weldon clothes are designed to fit your style and the demands of modern life. They look like regular clothes, but feel like the latest in modern comfort. They're the go-to choice for guys who want to look great without even trying. Breathable underwear that keeps you cool, dry, and comfy all day. Crazy comfortable but elevated sweatpants. An upgraded classic polo with antimicrobial silver threads. An ultra soft antimicrobial tee for when you need to stay fresh longer. That's the Silver Crew Neck T-shirt. Get timeless looks with modern comfort from Mack Weldon. Go to MacWeldon.com and get 20% off your first order with promo code MLBSHOW. That's M-A-C-K-W-E-L-D-O-N.com. Promo code MLB Show. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight? Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. It definitely, you know, leads to the whole free agent market grant, which the ranking systems are all over the map. And I think that this is a very exciting free agent season. And obviously there's a collective bargaining agreement. There's all sorts of weird stuff in the air. But let's just believe in the dream that things go smoothly. I think like the the consensus like one and two is pretty even. But then like you go from three to ten to twenty is really weird. I've seen like Chris Bryant from number three to number eight, ten. Like, where are you ranking some of these players? Let me like I just pulled up like a, a real quick one. And this one, and I remember earlier seeing Chris Bryant like way down, so I was really confused. But it has Carlos Correa as number one, Corey Seager number two. Do you agree with that? I think that's fair. I mean, I have concerns with both of their uh, durability, but at the same time, they're young. They're awesome. They're they're just outstanding at every facet of the game. So, yeah, I think that's an easy one, too. But you think that Corey Seager is below Carlos Correa? You know, it's tricky, but Correa was it was healthier more recently, and that's going to be my my number one concern with them. I, I think that uh, Correa is like a, a superlative defender, whereas Corey Seager is like a really good defender. And I would, if I'm going to, because these are the guys that are going to get contracts for like eight, nine, ten years. I just have a tiny bit more faith in Correa in 2031 than I do Corey Seager. I mean, we're extrapolating so far out in the future. Who knows what's going to happen? But just that tiny bit extra faith in Correa. Yeah, Correa's defensive. Watching it live is insane, and it's really annoying playing against him because he <laughs> literally and, and Seager is like Seager makes the play, like he makes the play, but it's not like these crazy robberies. It shocks me because I like m- for whatever reason my mental view of the two is that Seager is younger than Correa, but they're the same age. That's crazy to me. They're both phenomenal, so I, I think that's a that's a pretty fair one too. This has Chris Bryant number three, Max Scherzer number four. Which the whole Scherzer and Verlander both being on the free agent market to me is just absolutely wild and absurd. Who do you have higher between those two? Because apparently his uh, his workout session was very impressive. And Scherzer not finishing on the mound, like missing that game is kind of like yikes a little bit. So, so we go Chris Bryant three, Scherzer four, Trevor Story five, interesting, Simeon six, there's one in, in particular, Story and Simeon. Who would you rather have? 
Story and Simeon. Oh man, that is a good one. I I think it would be Simeon. And it just because a little bit more familiar with uh, flexibility, has a little bit more of an ability to fit where you need him, where Story has been a shortstop, shortstop, shortstop. Simeon, if you just eliminate 2020, and we should all do that in general for all of our lives, like his last two full seasons were wild. I mean, we're talking OPS close to 900. Uh, he had 33 homers in 2019. He had 45 homers in 2021. He'll be 31 next year. He's flexible. I'm going to go Simeon. Uh, you know, Story's a nice player, but you got to like just you can do anything with Simeon. And I think a lot of teams are going to line up to do that. I know this isn't fair, but it's just I'm, I'm very afraid to ever get a Rockies offensive player. Story is another one who is true, like crazy spectacular defense. And that's what I do love about Story is his defense. But I just I'm afraid to give money to like like me personally, I would be afraid to give money to a Rockies offensive player. So to me, I would I would go with Simeon. Like the dude played every single game two year the 2019 with Oakland 2020. Like you said, like whatever amazing this year got stronger as they went to Toronto, and that was kind of a wild year for Toronto, not having a home for forever and still almost made the playoffs. Like that had to be a very difficult season for all of them. So I think it's kind of like the 2020 2020 uh, what what year are we in 2021 <laughs> season. Uh, Kind of feels like a robbery for the Blue Jays because they were like up to the last game and they had just like they were playing in Buffalo and then playing in Toronto. You got to think that like that switch definitely could have swung one game. Yeah, I mean, they hit on so much last year where they uh, they took the gamble on Robbie Ray. They said, we think that there's something in here. And man, were they right. They got the power from all over the lineup. They got it from Simeon. He came back from that miserable 2020. And it just seemed like there was so much that went right for the Blue Jays. And you look at it, and I'm not entirely sure like what went wrong. Like When I look at their roster, I know their, their bullpen had some serious issues but I, I just look at their roster and I go, how? Like, how did they not win that extra game or two or three? I feel like they had probably one of the most challenging things you could have. Like, imagine trying to keep, because everything is energy and energy is everything, if you ask me. Try to keep the energy and the attitude up when you're not in your major league park. Like, that is tough. And they did a crazy good job. So kudos to their manager. Kudos to all of the Blue Jays players, leadership, for putting on this year with the circumstances that they had to go through. But speaking of Robbie Ray, I want to go through a couple pitchers and see who you, who would you target rate, rate the highest, like for this reagent. I mean, they're all probably going to be great. I'm not sure if I, I'd have to do a little more deeper dive. If I agree with this totally Robbie Ray, Kevin Gossman, Marcus Stroman and Verlander. What's your order here? Okay. So let me, is Gossman in there? Gossman is in here. Also, let's add Carlos Rodon. I know it's a lot. Let's see if you can remember, but let's just start. Clayton Kershaw as well. Try to like weave that basket of of starting pitching because that's that's some horsepower. I know where I'm targeting though. All right, I'm gonna sort these into like categories in a way where you have Hall of Famers who you're not entirely sure how healthy they are, right? And that's going to be the big three where you've got Scherzer, you've got Verlander, and you've got Kershaw, right? These are Hall of Famers, inner circle Hall of Famers, some of the best pitchers you'll ever see, but how much are you going to get from them? And you're not going to have to give them five years, six years, seven years. You know, Justin Verlander probably wants to get right back out there and get back on the market with a strong season. So Verlander's high. Scherzer might want 
to have like that three-year deal. He's got the, the Scotty Boris, you know, in his ear and he might say, okay, I'm looking for one big, one more nine-figure payday. Kershaw, maybe he wants something like that. But I think Scherzer is the best bet to be the best pitcher. Verlander might be the best situation as far as value because you're not going to have to give him two, three years. And so a team might feel more comfortable saying, even though they don't know he didn't have a 2021 season, they might just say, if this doesn't work out, we wash our hands of it next season. Whereas with Scherzer, if it doesn't work out, well, now you've got him for three or two more years. So I think Verlander makes a lot of sense, but I expect... Scherzer to be the best pitcher, Kershaw to be the second best pitcher, but I think Verlander makes the most sense. I don't know if I agree that Kershaw is going to be the second best pitcher, but I don't know like how bad his injuries and all of that is. Maybe I'm, I'm underestimating Kershaw and what's going to go on there, but I'm really high on obviously Verlander. I think being out for that long, getting healthy and just like what I know his arm is blessed with, his knowledge how he changes the clubhouse, like just being around him for the little bit that I have, he is a amazing person to like talk baseball. Like, you know, I was injured, and but I was at the All-Star game and just how everyone kind of magnetized towards Verlander and how he was teaching everyone grips and just like he has this good old boy baseball feel and whoever gets him, man, you got like someone that transcends your whole organization and they have him at the bottom of all of these names and I'm just like, I'm targeting Justin Verlander as like, I don't care his age. Like, I know what he's about. I know what he's blessed with. I saw him at like, whenever he was first drafted, I played him in the minor leagues or in not even the minor leagues, like spring training and, and at whatever extended. And this dude was throwing 101 effortlessly. This is one of the most gifted arms. So for me, I think Verlander is going to is going to definitely change an organization in a major way. Scherzer, if he stays healthy, same thing. You got to You got to trust this guy, but it definitely scares me how it ended. So I'm a little more scared of Scherzer, but at the same token, like he is, uh, like you said, like something else. Like, let's just take these three, Robbie Ray, Kevin Gossman, and Rodon. Where are you going with those three? Because we're, we're, we're both going to agree, like Scherzer, Kershaw, Hall of Famers, and Verlander, great pitchers. But like, where do you put these younger three talents? You know, Rodon, I, I like him as almost in that Verlander thing where I don't think any team's going to line up to give him five years. It's You're, you're going to limit your risk with him. But he's got like the best stuff that you can almost imagine. Uh, he's got a wide variety of things with Gossman. He is, you know, a two-pitch pitcher. Not exactly. He, st- he can mix in a slider. He can mix in a changeup. But for the most part, it's fastball split, fastball split. I worry what happens when one of those goes a little funky. You know, when if you're in year three of a deal and he doesn't quite have pitch A or pitch B, that just throws everything out of whack with him. I love him as a pitcher. He's just been really incredibly fun to watch. I'm not so sure about him three, four, five years from now. Robbie Ray, I have no idea what to make because he was like such a mess in the previous uh, season, previous two seasons, and he's so good at what he does. And now that he's able to to find the strike zone, to fill up that strike zone, like I almost trust him more because – that's a skill that you can't fake is the low walk rate. You know what I mean? It's you can you can have these great seasons where you're limiting home runs, you're limiting the hits you allow, but it's hard to fake a low walk rate. And I think Robbie Ray really did figure something out. So I'll go Robbie Ray over Gossman, but Rodon would be if I'm a GM, I'm gonna try and sneak in and get a, a shorter term deal with him. Okay, so where is Gossman in that mix? I think he's the he's with Robbie Ray, maybe right now with current effectiveness. 
for a long-term deal, I would rather have Ray than Gossman. It's like tricky. It's like, do you want to win in 2022? I would probably take Gossman. If you're thinking like plotting it out, 3D chess in the future, well, maybe I'm taking Ray for 2025. I mean, it's, it's all fantasy land once you get that far out. I think it's kind of tough because like the Dodgers were the one team that hit Gossman and that's kind of like what we ended seeing him face. But no one else really had much on him. So that's kind of a, a tricky one. It's tough for me to really judge there. But, I mean, if Rodon, I know he he was throwing 97 in that playoff game against Houston. And I was hearing that he wasn't throwing that hard. So all of that, man, it's just it's just weird. It's hard to it's hard to really gauge. But Robbie Ray has been consistent, young, fiery. I definitely like him. I think he's got on the upward t- trend as well. Like you're seeing him maximize his potential and, and you got to think that like maybe he figured something out so I think there's like an allure and a wonder around Robbie Ray whereas the other two you there's definitely questions but they're definitely extraordinary players so I think that you're right that the the, the wonder and the allure and the magic kind of tilts towards Robbie Ray after this season he kind of just put it together lastly I think we got time for one more grant I want to just go like Freddie Freeman Obviously, like, you know, he says his heart's in Atlanta and whatnot, but like this dude can flat out hit. He can give you an at bat. He just won a World Series. He didn't get the MVP, but in every one of those series, he's just steady Eddie. He does everything right. You can't help but to love him. 32 years old, and I think he's got a lot more hitting in the tank. Freddie Freeman or Chris Bryant? I go Freddie Freeman, and I don't like Chris Bryant's younger. Chris Bryant is more flexible. I think Freddie Freeman is more of like an elite Hall of Fame. Like I know Chris Bryan is, you know, top of the draft, Hall of Fame caliber talent. But Freddie Freeman is is like, you just project him out like the greats. You, you don't just say he's this big lumbering guy. He's sneaky, quick, and he has just a lot of these bat-to-ball skills. He has the eye that I think will age more gracefully. He's 32. Like, I get that. But I see him just extending that career deep into his 30s. Chris Bryant might, but I think Freeman's the better hitter now. And I would trust that to be true, you know, five, six, seven years from now, just a little bit more. I mean, just this last couple of years, I think just off the charts pitch selection. But I mean, Chris Bryant is great as well, too. He's got a little more, you're going to get more speed there, like you said, but just the at-bats, um, the the steadiness, the balance, the centered. Man, they're both great players. It's fun to talk about great players. So <laughs> that's all I got, Grant. Um, it's fun to hear your thoughts on it. Ah, man, it gets me already excited for where are they going to be. I can't wait. We need to find out. I know, I know. You just want a little peek into the future because it's probably, I mean, we're having fun talking about this, but one of the reasons we feel comfortable talking about this and not getting like, oh, you know, Chris Bryant signed tomorrow before the podcast is released is because the... We're probably not going to find out for a long time with this collective bargaining agreement. You'll see deals like Andrew Haney go to the Dodgers like on a one-year deal. You might see some of these lesser uh, free agents sign one-year deals and, and sneak in under the CBA. But when it comes to a guy like Carlos Correa... They got to know what what's in that collective bargaining agreement before they sign for 10 years. I mean, it could there could be they could get away from draft pick compensation. They could get away from this, from that. Who knows? I have no idea. Let me ask you one more question before we finish, Grant. What team do you think is going to be the biggest splash team this offseason? This is a good question because like... Who's going to be splash and who's going to be cannonballing into the pool? I need to know. Who's hungry? Who's coming with the pen and the checkbook? 
So here's the thing. As a Giants writer who covered the 2018 team, this was always the offseason you circled because back then, when you're talking 2018, Brandon Crawford looked like he was on the downside of his career. Brandon Belt looked like he was on the downside of his career. Buster Posey looked like he was on the downside of his career. You started to see all these players and, and you pointed to this offseason and go, this is when the money frees up for the Giants. They're not going to have this player, that player, not going to have to pay Cueto. They're not going to have Samarja. They're not going to have all these players were going off the books. And a lot of that changed to where the Giants extended Brandon Crawford. They would have loved to have Buster Posey back. They probably want to get a deal done with Brandon Belt. So like everything changed for the better for them, but they still have like $80 million in guaranteed payroll. And they could probably push that up a hundred million dollars. And the funny part is I don't think that they're going to be the team that's going to spend six years on a Kevin Gossman. I don't think that they're going to do the long-term free agents for pitchers. They feel comfortable if they can find their pitchers that they you know, might want shorter-term deals for a guy like Verlander or Kershaw. I have no idea what they're going to do. I think they want to stay flexible, but they have so much money to spend and not a ton. They don't have to, they have to fill four spots of a rotation, which is, which isn't nothing, but the rest of their roster, their bullpen, their lineup kind of sort of in place. So I, I'm looking for the Giants and this might be a home review, but I'm looking for them to just kind of spend a lot on some shorter term pitching help. All right, these are two teams that I'm looking at. So you're, you're looking at the Giants for shorter term. I think Farhan is just kind of like, he finds those sneaky ones, those sneaky ones that no one's looking at. Like, he's so good at this. I'm very interested to see what the Mets and the Mariners do. I think the Mariners need to be the team that's like, we're making the postseason! Please. Scream it. <laughs> like, right? Like, like, the end of the season for the Mariners was so fun to watch, and you wanted to believe, and I, I, I believed... And they just fell short. But they can push the envelope. There's a lot of free agents out there. Uh, and I'll be interested to see if, if they're going to do that and, and, and try to add to this young talent, this wave that they have coming in. The Mariners, as of right now, I'm looking at uh, the numbers right now. They have $45 million in committed payroll, give or take. They can do more than that. The you time know, they're, is they're, now for the Mariners. <laughs> You're talking 2001 is the last time. It's the longest postseason drought in uh, the, the four major American North American sports. Yeah, it's got to end. And they have a good fan base. They have a hungry fan base. They have a, an engaged fan base. They have young are, talent. They have a window. Yes. You gotta move on the window. Yeah. No. I mean, we could talk all day about. Well, they're you know almost outscored in the season, and and maybe they weren't as good as their ninety wins. And I don't care about that. I just look and I I think Ty France is like he's a dude. And I remember when he played for the Padres, he freaked me out. Uh, just he's he's one of those players who you don't get a ton of bad at bats. So you're not sure how to get him out. You have J.P. Crawford. He's young. You have uh, Kalenic, you know, coming up and he struggled, but you got to still believe in him. The Mariners are, are they're not like set up to be a powerhouse forever or be a juggernaut next year. But they're a team that's worth supplementing now. Like this is a team it's worth throwing some resources at and saying, OK, what works and what doesn't? And then maybe building the juggernaut along the way. I think so. I think so. Did you say 90 wins? 90 wins. Did you know that the World Series champion only had 88 <laughs> wins and the Mariners that weren't in the playoffs with 90 wins? Think about it. They could have easily been the hot team in the playoffs, but, uh, you know, that's the way the cookie crumbles with the current system. And the Braves won the division with 88 wins. And guess what? 
World Series champs. I'll be thinking about that one for a while. All right. This has been episode 33 of the Baseball Barista. I'm excited. I'm excited to see where all these players sign. I, I, you know, I love baseball more than I like being a fake GM, but I do like, you know, being able to step back a little bit and go, oh, what if you traded this piece for that piece? What if you send this guy? You like, I, I do kind of nerd out on that. Are you a, a little bit of an armchair GM yourself? Uh, yeah, I mean that's the, that's the fun of the offseason as baseball fans. The armchair GM is 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 what it's about, and it's exciting as a fan. Like, what are we gonna get? What are we doing? You, you even talk if you go and just talk baseball with any fan of a franchise, you're like, oh, I don't want to spend the money on this guy. I want to spend the money on this guy, and that's what baseball people do. I hope I inspired you to get a nice band workout while you're looking at this. Get that full, full extension. But yeah, no, I love armchair uh, GMing. I love hearing other people's thoughts on what their organization should do. Phillies is another interesting one. So uh, lots of thoughts, lots of exciting times. Looking forward to more. No bands for me. I can almost extend my elbow fully. I can almost do it now, but I still got a couple months. Uh, I had to cancel golf and over Thanksgiving. So, ah. So I still got a long way to go. All right. This has been episode 33 of the Baseball Barista. Thank you so much for listening. We will be back and we'll talk about some baseball because that's what we do. Thanks so much. With Hunter Pence and Grant Brisby, I am Hunter Pence. (laughs) I am not. Let me try that one more time. That's a first. All right. I love coffee. (laughs) 